News, politics, and special guests with a Texas twist. That's the goal of the Luke Macias Show. Our nation and state are at a crossroads, and if you're not informed, you're not equipped to make the change that our community needs. Join the conversation and join the cause for liberty today. Welcome to episode 43 of the Luke Messiah Show. Um, last week we brought a great conversation with Jackie Schlegel, the uh, president of Texans for Vaccine Choice. And this week we have a couple different items in the news. In fact, it's been a very uh, eventful week. So we will try to bullet through as many things as possible for all of you to be aware of. Uh, first on our list is the um, arrest of Pancho Navarro's, who is the uh Democrat, one of the things he's more well-known for is having uh, come up to former state representative Matt Rinaldi on the floor of the Texas House and threatening him, um, telling him, I'm going to get you on your way to your car, and uh, a threat that Representative Rinaldi took very seriously, and that kind of gave us our first window into the type of uh, individual that Pancho Navarro is. Um, was. And uh, when Dennis Bonin took over as speaker, he made Poncho chairman of the Public Safety uh, Committee, Homeland Security and Public Safety, chair of that committee, who oversees all Second Amendment legislation, so that more or less guaranteed that um, gun legislation would die in the Texas House of Representatives. This is something that a lot of conservatives were disheartened about. In fact, you had, you know, the heartbeat bill referred to Sinfronia Thompson's committee last session, who is a Democrat who definitely would kill that piece of legislation. She's not the Louisiana-type Democrat who's going to actually author that legislation. And then you had uh, constitutional carry and other gun legislation going to Pancho Navarro's committee. Um, but I digress. What do we know? So Direct Action Texas, that's directactiontx.com. Our friends over there, Daniel Greer, um, posted information. He is the one who broke the story originally uh, on November 13th, and he wrote about Pancho Navarro's uh, departure from the legislature and how it may not be tied to what he was tying it to, um, and it may more accurately be tied to the fact that several bags of cocaine that belonged to him fell out of his pocket when he was at the Austin airport. So let me give you the quick version of what happened. Pancho Navarez flies into the Austin airport on a private plane, which is why he could make it through uh, security. You don't go through TSA when you're on a private plane. He's getting into the car of his chief of staff and an envelope falls out of his pocket onto the ground. Um, several TxDOT employees find the envelope. It is literally addressed the office of State Representative Pancho Navarro's. That's I'm assuming the way I picture is uh, a lot of those state representatives have these pre-made envelopes with their return address on it, right? So that may be it. It may be something else. But regardless, uh, it has his name on it, and they open it up, and there are several bags of white powder. So uh, DPS, of course, gets involved and looks at it, and it is indeed cocaine, cocaine belonging to... Um, Pancho Navarro's. In fact, they got his DNA with a warrant and it matched, I guess, the DNA of the envelope that he licked. And so um, he has been arrested. I believe he already posted bail, but this all came out last week. And, uh, you know, I want to just start. One of the things that was brought to light within this is when Pancho 
originally announced he wasn't running for re-election. You know, he started off with this Facebook post, um, actually announcing the deletion of his Facebook profile, essentially saying Mark Zuckerberg and all these other people have had all these problems with social media that he could no longer participate in, and therefore he was going to be deleting his social media accounts. Um, I think we all thought that was a little suspect. It just seemed a little strange and out of character for Poncho. A couple days later, he said, I'm not running. And immediately, of course, the rumors began to spread because it could be anything, right? I mean, are we talking about, uh, are we talking about, you know, unfaithful behavior by Poncho? What you kind of your mind goes into different directions when it comes to what what somebody would be doing on a social media account that they would want deleted and to be gotten rid of. Um, so all sorts of rumors were flying around. I think I heard like eighteen different things that Poncho could or couldn't have done. Um, and then this news came out several days after, or I guess really uh, at this point it was uh, you know several weeks after, but Daniel Greer brought this information to light. Um, Poncho showed us something that we've seen a lot this year, which is that Republican and Democrat state representatives often say one thing in public and it doesn't match the private motivations, their private intentions, or their private actual realities. Um, this is something that I think Texans, and I really say this as Texans, I think Democrats and Republicans and independents should all begin demanding a higher standard from our legislators. And it seems like, unfortunately, there aren't too many in the legislature that feel the need to demand such high ethical behavior from um, themselves and from each other. And they seem far too quick to, uh, you know, come to defend their colleagues as opposed to coming out and calling each other to a higher standard of behavior. And really, you're talking about a public elected official here, uh, again, trying to intentionally mislead. You know, some people, I've talked a lot about Dustin Burroughs as a state representative, a former, uh, well, yeah, former Republican caucus chairman, I think former Ways and Means chairman. He's currently the Ways and Means chairman, but I don't think that uh, will be the case next session, and hopefully it won't. <clears throat> I think we can almost be guaranteed of that fact. But the reality is that you have somebody who, you know, not only participated in his meeting with Dennis Bonham, but then he also went into uh, onto local radio and television stations and tried to directly mislead his constituents. He tried to tell them something that did not match up with his own words. He tried to convince them of a reality that was really in his own making instead of the reality of what his actions actually were. And that all got brought to light with the revelation of the recording. And Pancho Navarro's is in a small way just a continuation of the fact that there is a cultural problem within the Texas House of Representatives where legislators do not think that their private actions should also be consistent with their public stances, their public belief systems, their public, um, you know, the, the way they publicly display themselves. And so Texans just have a continued opportunity to demand that out of our officials. And I hope that many of you will. Um, <clears throat> let's go on to a couple of things. Julian Castro, presidential candidate for uh, from Texas, has not qualified for the Democrat debate. So for those of you who are wondering um, if he was, if those of you, because I know we all love to watch those Democrat debates right now, and uh, if you were hoping to see Julian Castro on the stage taking swipes at Joe Biden or somebody else, you will be sorely disappointed because he failed 
to reach 3% in four national polls or 5% in two early state polls like Iowa, South Carolina, New Hampshire. And so therefore, Julian Castro will not be sharing the debate stage um, on the next nationally televised Democrat debate. That is a really unfortunate thing because I find him quite entertaining when it comes to his involvement uh, within the debate process. So it is what it is. We will see what this means for Julian's campaign going forward. Many people who have failed to qualify, it is often a little bit of a signal uh, that they may not be, you know, having the staying power. It's going to be a much harder time to continue the fundraising and other things like that. Uh, Just as a side note, I think this is a really bad thing that the Democrat National Committee is doing, and I think the Republican National Committee would also, um, you know, it would be worth them taking notes and not doing anything like this in the future. I think that it's wrong for the party to basically be able to set these artificial, uh, you know, standards that determine whether or not you are or are not a real candidate. If you're running for president, if you've raised uh, donations from hundreds of thousands of people across the nation, I think you should have the opportunity to present your ideas on a debate stage. And if that happens to make the debate stage larger, or if that happens to make it a two-night debate, then fine. Do a second night and have those what we would call second-tier candidates given still the same opportunity to have their ideas heard. I think that um, the Democrat Party would be better off for it. I think the Republican Party needs to take note and not try to implement something like this in the future. Uh, last but not least, I want to come to y'all, uh, with a crazy story that I read. Laura McGahee with the Dallas Morning News wrote an article about a former white supremacist who is now decided, um, he is gender dysphoric and, uh, she writes about his plight. Now this kind of just brought up an interesting thing. So first of all, one of the things I think I've talked about is that, uh, as we move into this kind of woke culture, as we move into this politically correct culture, as we move into this newly enlightened um, uh, society that America has, one of the things that they're having a difficult time dealing with, society's having a difficult time dealing with, is the idea of forgiveness, right? It's why you have a politician where we'll find out that he was in blackface 20 years ago, and all of a sudden he's a horrible person because of that. That's a a bit of a problem because it's very difficult to say because you did this when you're 19 years old, therefore you're a racist person today at 45 years old, or whether or not the actions you did when you were 19 even were racist, right? I actually posted a picture uh, on social media with my two baby sisters. We were over at my parents' house uh, cleaning up a bunch of stuff because uh, they're hosting Thanksgiving. So we're doing all this prep for for getting uh, Thanksgiving ready for all of our family. And after a long day of work, we decided to put that black mask stuff on that you like peel off and takes blackheads out. My sister bought some and so I said I'd do it with her. And so all three of us did it together. Anyways, uh, you know, immediately I've got comments and texts from people going, oh my gosh, take this off the internet. Oh, Wow. And I think everyone was, uh, you know, kind of playing a joke in their statements. I don't know that everybody was incredibly serious with it, but it is important and worth noting the fact of that's where our culture is, right? People have seen that anybody who comes out at some point, even if it's maybe to relieve some or remove some blackheads from your nose, or in my case, just to simply do an activity with your two baby sisters, uh, it could potentially have greater ramifications for you and mean something it doesn't mean. So that being said, I'm really getting distracted at this point, but society is going to have a difficult time dealing with how do you forgive? Um, and it doesn't matter if you've done certain things, you're just off the forgiveness 
train. Uh, we That episode I talked about this um, more in depth on was episode 37, which was the conversation with Botham Jean, uh, or Brant Jean, who was the brother of Botham Jean, who was murdered in his apartment. And so uh, Brant is the uh, brother of him who actually uh, forgave his brother's murderer. And uh, anyways, if you followed that, please consider going back to episode 37 if you haven't heard it. Uh, it is an incredibly powerful thing. And don't go just to hear my commentary on it. Go to hear the words of Brant Jean because we put his entire uh, uh, forgiveness statement there, uh, which you need to hear him giving it in his own words in the courtroom. So that's episode 37 uh, that y'all can go back and listen to. But what I realized a couple days ago is there is something you can do to gain forgiveness and be painted as a victim by um, a far left culture and media. And that is decide your gender dysphoric um, because that's what we saw. Even if you were a former white supremacist, as long as you now think you are a woman, then you are going to be written about in a uh, in a positive light. And uh, that entire article you can find on dallasnews.com uh, if you have to be, if you, if you get there and it tells you to pay, don't do that. That is uh, definitely not something I would encourage you to do. But uh, try to see if you can read the article by Lauren McGahee here. Um, and it, it goes into the plight that we're currently in when it comes to these lawsuits that are before us and these lawsuits where uh, men can decide they are women and then be moved into a women's prison facility. Uh, I, I haven't read a whole lot, even in this one, I, I, I read the whole thing. I tried to read it twice just to see if I was missing anything, but you know, I haven't seen anything about like a woman deciding she's a man and going into a men's prison because honestly that would be suicide. And so I'm glad that, that, people aren't thinking about doing that as much, but you have these men who say, well, I think I'm a woman. And so now I want to go to prison with a bunch of women. And now you have some women in prison saying, uh, we're not okay with these men who are coming into our prisons. And so there is a current lawsuit that is uh, working its way through the prison system. And the Dallas Morning News decides to talk about this in a very in-depth way, in a way to try to talk about these men as victims. Um, now, the truth is this. We know that it is a very dark place to be if you're gender dysphoric. We know that it is literally probably the darkest place that we really know about in our society. And I, I say that if those if there are those of you out there who know of a darker place, please share it with me. I, I don't speak as the sole authority on this issue. But um, when you look at the fact that the transgender community, the individuals who are confused as to what their gender is, those individuals are basically a coin flip away from attempting to commit suicide. These people have suicide attempts at close to the 50% mark, depending on how you look at it. And the only subset of individuals that we know of that has had that type of um, suicide attempt are individuals who, uh, Jewish individuals who were in Germany during the reign of the Nazis. And I want you to just think about that because for those of you who uh, have read The Hiding Place, uh, Corey Ten Boom's story, or visited Holocaust museums, which I have, I mean, you will, I think everyone would admit that when we think about what it would be like to be a Jewish person there in Germany, it would be a darker place than any of us can imagine, especially here in such a, um, you know, uh, I guess, privileged place in society, a time such as this in the United States of America. And so uh, that being said, the, that's the only group of individuals that we know of 
that try to end their lives as much as transgender individuals. So we know that this is a dark place to be in. It is undeniably a difficult thing. And there's two trains of thought within uh, this, uh, on, on where this data would come from, right? One train of thought would say that the reason these people are doing that is because all of you mean people are not accepting them. You're not telling them that what they believe, if they are confused about their gender, is accurate, right? And uh, and and it's, it really is a very difficult thing to follow through because even when you read, by the way, this article on the Dallas News, I mean, you don't even know what they're, who they're talking about at one time over another. I mean, you're like, okay, is this the guy? Is this the girl? Is this the I? Is that him or is he a her or is she a him? So, uh, welcome to the new world that we live in. But one idea is that that it's it's all of you mean people who believe that men are men and women are women. Y'all are the reason that these people are trying to kill themselves. And then the other train of thought is that it takes a lot of hurt and pain and woundedness and unaddressed issues in your life to get to such a place. And that is evidenced by the fact that these people are in such dark times. And it's even evidenced in the fact that you can go into states that have, you know, very tolerant, as as some people would say it, um, but very far left states like New York or California. And by the way, tolerance doesn't actually mean tolerance because the you know most intolerant people are the ones who want everyone to be so tolerant. And so uh, you've got states in California, New York, and stuff. And the reality is that those individuals are still just as likely to harm themselves as ones in Texas or Oklahoma or Wyoming. And why is that? It's the fact that it's something within the battle and struggle that's going on within the very lives. In fact, I really do, I've said and I do believe that one of the most hateful things you could do to somebody who is dealing with gender dysphoria is encourage them to continue in that confusion. You are literally pushing that person into a dark place within their life, and it is a hateful act in and of itself. So, um, but we now know how you can be forgiven. If you want to be forgiven by the new woke far left, uh, be gender dysphoric and you will be allowed to be placed as a victim and truly be seen as repentant of your former white supremacist actions. Um, those are a couple things we want to cover for you this week. I'm going to cut this short. What am I at? 18 minutes, so we're fine. But uh, guys, we've got um, a lot coming up and some good conversations coming your way. Thank you so much for those of you continuing to support the podcast. It's an exciting time. We are in uh, a battle in the Lone Star State, and for the next, I guess from now till November of 2020, you will continue to see a battle raging within uh, who controls our state, both within the Republican Party and whether the Republican Party becomes a party with bold ideas that want to advance those ideas, um, or and or uh, whether or not the Democrats are able to take um, a Republican Party who has given... Texans uh, very little reason to keep them around and use that to their advantage to try to take over control of the Texas House. There are a lot of conservative activists who have come together and produced what they um, have rolled out, and, and it is the Lone Star Agenda. And so for those of you who uh, haven't seen that, you may go uh, find the Lone Star Agenda. Um, let me pull it up. It's LoneStarAgenda.org. And so many legislators have come out. I know Steve Toth and Kyle Biederman and Tony Tinderholt and Bob Hall and James White have all 
come out and championed uh, their support for the Lone Star Agenda. And what it also does is it calls on Governor Abbott to call a special session. And it says that there are several key conservative policies that need to pass that if we call a special session, we will be able to address. And then we will be able to show Texas why Republicans should be kept in power. We'll be able to show them how we intend to lead and how we intend to govern. And each of these issues will also paint the Democrats as the far left party that they have become. We have got to give ourselves a stronger narrative because our biggest concern right now, my biggest concern right now, is that a lot of people are happy with the performance of our president, Donald Trump, and feel like he's fighting for them, uh, but they don't necessarily know if all of the other Republicans within the state of Texas are doing the same, and so you may have a lot of people who walk out, who punch the top of the ticket, and don't continue to go all the way down the ballot, where I do think that Democrats are more likely to believe in their entire party, because what they have seen is that their party is dedicated to their ideas, and so if you actually believe that what you believe is really real and you're a Democrat, you believe that the rest of the Democrats are going to help advance that issue. And if you're a Republican, you're not sure if that's the case. And so Republicans in Texas have to continue to do a better and bolder job of communicating that and showing not only in our words, but our deeds to Texans that they can indeed trust us with control of the Lone Star State. If you Uh, have been listening to our podcast, please consider subscribing. It just helps to make sure that our podcast gets to you directly. Go to lukemacias.com. Give us your email address. We'll make sure to email you out the podcast when it comes out. Uh, on a weekly basis. And if you haven't reviewed our show, please continue to do so. Uh, So many people have, but each and every one of those reviews help us rise higher in different ranking and search terms within each of the podcast platforms. So whatever platform you listen to us on, subscribe, leave a review. Thank you so much for following along. God bless you and God bless Texas. Guys, our sponsor for today's show is Patriot Academy. PatriotAcademy.com. You have heard me talk about this organization, but um, this truly is, for many students, a life-altering event. Um, I cannot tell you how many 16, 17, 18, 20, 25-year-olds that have gone to this leadership program and come out with an entirely new direction for their life. You can go to patriotacademy.com to find out where they do these events, but essentially they take these students and they go through a week of being a legislator. They actually debate in the in the Texas House of Representatives, in the uh, Delaware House of Representatives, Idaho House of Representatives. It's an incredible experience. I have been involved with them. I believe in what they do. In fact, if you contact them and tell them that you heard about them through the Luke Messias show, I will contribute toward your uh, fee of actually attending. If you know a student that needs to go, that needs direction for their life, they're going to have an opportunity to learn about worldview, about free market economics, about the values that hold society together, and they're going to have an opportunity to be equipped to be a part of making the change that our community, our state, our nation need. So patriotacademy.com, we're grateful for their willingness to sponsor this podcast, and we also want to encourage each and every one of you to check them out. Please do so today. Thank you for listening to The Luke Messias Show. If you value this content and want our message to spread, please consider three of the following steps. One, subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to us on and leave us a review. Two, visit lukemessias.com and sign up for our email alerts. And three, follow Raz and I on Twitter and visit my Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Luke Messias Texas. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Luke Macias, Texas. Thank you so much and God bless.